before you today, grateful and with open hands, open eyes, open ears, Lord, to see and hear the things that you would do today. Lord, we're here to receive your Holy Spirit. We're here to receive the blessings and the promises that you've given us, Lord. Take these songs we sing and make them yours. Amen.
commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Of all our sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
together to call up this morning. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You know what they say, right? You know what they say? First come, first serve. (laughs) Bless each one of them, Lord. Just cause your Holy Spirit to work in their lives and to bring them forward, Lord, to be the strong and mighty men and women of God that we know they're becoming. Amen. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from Isaiah, chapter 55, beginning in verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you. Because the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the psalm. This morning's psalm is Psalm 103, and we'll read responsibly by the asterisk, beginning in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness. Who satisfies your mouth with good things? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy for those As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. This morning's second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, All passed through the sea. All were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks 
he stands. Take heed, lest he fall. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. St. Luke, chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners? <coughs> Excuse me than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt, dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. There's a lot going on in our scriptures this morning. I just want to draw our attention to something before we dive in. In that first Corinthians message, it was like, All the promises happened in the Old Testament lesson. Come to the waters, drink, live in abundance. And then you get to the 1 Corinthians message and it's like, Therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. That's the line we're walking today. It's it's the invitation of God is the same as we see in the New Testament where Paul writes, Behold, I have set before you life and death. Choose life. It's not here as a threat. It's not like God's playing some carrot and stick game with us. Do what I want you to do, and I'll give you a little carrot. Don't do it, and I'll get you. That's not it at all. It's like there's a fork in the road, and one way leads off a cliff, and the other way leads to paradise. And God's standing at the fork saying, come with me. Come with me. Don't go that way. It's not manipulative. It's not threatening. It's an invitation to delight in the things that God has for us, to live a life of abundance and joy. So keep that in mind as we kind of go down some of these pathways today, that all of this is about inviting you into the good life, the one that Jesus bought for us on the cross, the one that he guaranteed us in his resurrection, and the one that we are invited into this very day. 
Now, in our gospel lesson in chapter 13, we're going to start there. And Jesus had just told the religious leaders something right before that matters. What he did is he told them, you don't realize what season you're in. You look at the weather and you can say, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow or it's going to be nice. But you look at the things that are happening in the spirit, the things that are happening right in front of you as Jesus is doing miracles. And you do not see the season you're in. So that's the warning that he's giving them. And I think it's a great warning for us because there's a way in which we are actually in the same season that Jesus brought with his ministry on earth. Of course, there are times, you know, seasons for sowing, seasons for reaping. There's times for mourning, times for dancing. But we're also entering in, we're in the kingdom season today. So let's listen to what Jesus says about what season they're in. He just criticized them for not recognizing the season. And then, of course, in verse 1, it says, There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So what's he talking about? There's two points that I want to make quickly. I know there's tons of theology we can draw out of what Jesus is trying to say here. My point is that we don't get to rejoice When somebody gets what's coming to them, we don't get to rejoice when a man's life falls apart because of his sin. We don't get to rejoice when a church that we don't like because they don't preach the message we think they should preach fails. We don't get to rejoice in those things. Even if they're reaping the fruit of what they sown, we rejoice in the fact that we don't reap the fruit of what we've sown. Because every one of us, if we just reaped the fruit of what we'd sown, every one of us without the cross is destined for destruction. What Jesus is saying is we can get so convinced of our ability to save ourselves that we forget to rely on the work that he has done for us. Lent is the all-time perfect place for this message because what do we do in Lent? We make ourselves holier. And we think we do a good job, right? I'm pretty proud of myself for the things that I've given up this Lent. And right in the middle of Lent, we get this message that actually you're just as guilty as you were before. There's no good work you can do that will save you. But if you repent and turn to the Lord, he is gracious and merciful and kind. And he will do more than forgive you. He will lead you into all abundance. That's the message of Lent. Not that you, with your striving, become the perfect Christian, so by Holy Week, we're worshiping you alongside Jesus. No, but by the end of Holy Week, you should come to the point where you say, man, I really do need this cross that Jesus died on for my sins. Just don't suppose that anybody else is a worse sinner than you. That's a good 
rule of thumb. Because God knows everything that goes in your heart. And if you're ignoring what's going on inside, then yeah, pride comes before a fall. It blinds you. So in this Lent, open your eyes to see the things that God are pointing out to because the invitation is into life and away from death. So what season were they in? They were present at that season as the introduction to this story. This is the season they were in all throughout Jesus' ministry. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the season we're in. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not just around the corner. It's in your hands. It's here. Live in the kingdom. That's the invitation from Jesus till now. He came to bring the kingdom of God to earth, and we get to participate in that. And then he speaks this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, but found none. And he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. That is a hard word parable. Now, there's this interesting parallel, right? Jesus' ministry on earth was three years. And three years he kept going to the synagogue. He kept going to the temple. He kept going to the places of worship in the Jewish culture, and he was finding no fruit. And it's a warning to these same religious leaders who can't see. that He's, just, he's constantly calling out to the people around him, open your eyes, see what's right in front of you. And it relates to us because how often does God have to repeat a lesson in our life over and over and over again? Jesse, I told you, trust in me not in your own strength. Jesse, I told you, don't lose your temper. You have no right to anger. Forgiveness and a soft answer turns away wrath. There's over and over again, God has to teach us. And so we can relate to these people who Jesus is talking to. And we can know that this word is also for us. Where are the places in your life where you're not bearing any fruit? And God's asking you, hey, Where's the fruit that I'm, I'm, I'm here? I'm fertilizing this ground. I'm ready to dig it up and fertilize it for you. Are you going to participate with me or are you going to be the barren tree? So I don't want to get too deep down the rabbit hole, but the fig tree is like such a fascinating idea throughout all of Scripture that can represent the people of God. It can represent uh, individuals who have lost God's favor. There's all of these stories in there, and I just want to make one point. There is an individualistic reading of this where you're the plant and God wants you to make your life better. And that's good, 100%. But we can't lose the fact that the question is also posed to us. You, St. Michael's, are a fig tree. What fruit are you, the people of God, bearing in the world? So we are never just alone being talked to by Jesus as if the whole world revolves around us. We're also walking as a people of God, seeking his face, seeking to get to know him together. It's a message of grace, but also a message of challenge to us that anytime we get caught up in our own things, we've missed the point. We're also walking as a family of God, helping one another, bearing one another's burdens. There's a communal message in here. And you know what? We want to dig the toxic dead ground out of our roots 
that is made up of the lies of the enemy and replace it with the word of God. That's what connects to all these readings is the word of God is what satisfies. So keep that in mind as we kind of go through and we jump into Isaiah. Because if we're in this season of repentance, what do we need to repent of? There's many things, of course, many answers to that question. But I think there's one that keeps us right at the center of what God's trying to say. And we find it in Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse 1. Ho! I always love that word. It's just like such an emphasis. Why don't we use that word anymore? Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. There's so much good stuff in there. Come buy without money. Come eat, drink the good things of life. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Well, let's go down a little pathway here. There's this claim right now that the next generations, and of course generational claims are always way too broad to be helpful in specifics, but they can give us trends as to where our culture is heading. That the next generation is far more concerned with experiences than they are with the traditional values of starting a family and getting their career in the right place. That they really just want these experiences. There's a couple of statistics that people use. I was just going to mention a couple of things that I think are interesting. The national parks in 2019, of course, all these statistics are going to be from 2019 because COVID uh, kind of changed some things, but they experienced the highest number of visits that they'd ever had in the history of their service with 330 million visits. There's like 335 million people in the country, and the national parks were visited 330 million times. Obviously, with some repeat visitors. I'm not claiming everybody went. Um, the Niagara Falls alone receives 30 million visitors a year. There's another phenomenon that goes along with this idea. There's these things that happen uh, called music festivals. And uh, ever since Woodstock is what they say. Like ever since Woodstock, everybody's trying to create this, this place where people can come and they can have an experience together, Right. And there's 32 million people a year, somewhere around there, that go to music festivals. In addition, if you count concerts, theater, stand-up comedians, all this stuff, there's like 450 million people that go to concerts. And this is just talking, uh, the concert one is just talking about in America. That doesn't include the whole world, obviously. What are people going to these events and national parks to find? They're not inexpensive. They're not inexpensive. And they're not easy to get to. So why are these people coming out in droves? And more than ever, it's the millennials, Gen Y. I know those labels are kind of fluid. But there's a thing. More than ever, young people are going to these things. Why? I would argue, as well as this guy who was writing these reports, that they're going for awe and connection. That's what they're going for. Awe and connection. Of course, we've known this for a long time. There's a great uh, quote that says, there's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man. We are wired for awe and connection, to encounter something bigger than ourselves. Status of awe is very similar and linked to the status of worship. 
finding something before which the proper response is to bow down. There's a sense of hunger for that in our world that is called neo-pagan or post-Christian. So what's going on here? I'm not even mentioning all the other classic ways to seek that awe and that connection. The classic ways of seeking it in friendships, romantic partners, careers, sensual pleasures, food, drink. All of these things are classic ways to try and find and fill the void that is left if you don't connect and worship your God. What's happening is they're looking for something worthy of worship. They wouldn't put it in that phrase, but if you look at the way they describe it, they use it in the same way we describe God. It feeds my soul. It sustains me. It's my safe place. These are the things that the psalmist says about God. And yet they're using it to describe their romantic partner. They're my everything. Or they're using it to describe the trips that they take to national parks. Yeah, man, I just, I'm in so much depression, but if I go to those uh, national parks, they bring me joy. They're the bringers of joy in my life. Now, none of these things are bad in and of themselves. None of these things are evil. God created all the beauty in the national parks. God created music and God imbued the world with beauty and wonder. But when it's all you have, it's not going to satisfy. So we kind of look back at this Isaiah passage and it says, what's actually happening? He's inviting them. He says, why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. I think there's no truer condemnation of our culture today than that accusation. You're spending your money on things that aren't bread. You're spending your wages on things that do not satisfy. Now, maybe you are spending your money on some $20 pastry and it is bread. But that's not the point the prophet's making. The point the prophet's making is what you're really looking for is the word of God. Because he makes it very clear. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. C.S. Lewis has that great quote. Our desires are not too strong, but too weak. We are busy making mud pies in the slum when a vacation at the beach is offered to us. We, in fact, don't desire the best that God has for us. We get satisfied with Netflix or a good bottle of wine or a music festival. And it's just a, it's, it's like, it's like a drug addiction. You get your hit. It feels great. There's no arguing with that. But the next day you need another hit or the next week or the next month. And it will never satisfy the connection that we are called to. And let me tell you, when you have God and you're walking in his purposes, that glass of wine tastes a whole lot better. God does not take away from our pleasures. He doesn't forbid us from music festivals and national parks. He enlivens. And I mean that seriously. He puts life into our pleasures. He, in fact, when you look at the ocean and you worship the creator and everything's in its proper place, there is some things that cannot be topped. 
as experiencing the beauty and the goodness of the world, letting your soul delight itself in the abundance of God. When people say, I want it my way, what they're saying is, I'm settling for less than God's best. That's all they're saying. And we do it every day. (laughs) Maybe you guys don't. You guys could probably be holier than me. But I do it every day where, oh, you know, it'd be really nice to, I use food because it's the easy one, but, and it's really relatable, but it'd be really nice to have that Cinnabon cinnamon roll right now. And that little voice in my head says, you probably don't need a Cinnabon cinnamon roll right now. And I say, but I want it my way. And I get that hit, that sugar high. Oh man, so good. But it doesn't satisfy. A few hours later, I feel pretty darn awful, let me tell you. There's something about the properly enjoyed goodness of this world in the context of worshiping our creator that defines the good life. None of these things that I've been talking about have been bad things, but they need to be enjoyed in a life of worshiping the creator. We settle for worshiping the created. Man, we're duped. These created things cannot compare with the one who is worthy of worship. So what do we repent of? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent of spending your wages on stuff that doesn't satisfy. Look for the things that you're spending your time, your money, your effort, your energy on that do not satisfy, that aren't of the Lord. Cut those out. Prune your tree. And what will fill you in their place? The word of the Lord. In verse 3, it continues, incline your ear to me and come to me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. I love that line, the sure mercies of David. You know that Isaiah and God are very aware of that wonderful Psalm, Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hannah sings that great song. Your goodness is running after me. We've got this all backwards 90% of the time. 90% of the time we come to God and say, here, I'll trade you this if you give me this. When God's like, I'm looking to give you this, make room. He's chasing us. We don't have to go make a bargain with God. He has goodness in the pipeline. He's saying, make room for the goodness of God. I'm chasing you. The sure mercies of David. Let me give one more secret as we kind of come to the end of this. If you feel like God is distant, or you feel like you've wandered from him, there's at least one thing that I can promise you will bring you back to him. And that is worship. And the easiest path that I've found to worship is singing the truths of God's word. Submitting myself. It's actually kind of ridiculous when you're in a car and you're listening to a worship song and you're singing it at the top of your lungs and you're pouring yourself out to God, you probably look like a fool. But man, you put yourself in the one place of humility where God can break through some of these barriers that we put in our life. Or maybe it's on Sunday morning when we're singing these worship songs and you're thinking about 17 other things that you brought in the door with you. Lay him at the foot of the cross. Make room for the goodness of God. Delight yourself in the Lord. 
Let's just read this psalm. I couldn't preach a whole sermon on it because we had other things to talk about. But, man, this psalm is good. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Of course, you know, he's commanding himself to bless the Lord. He's not just like, oh, wow, this is nice and hunky-dory and I'm spontaneously reacting. No, he's saying, bless the Lord, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I don't know where the psalmist was when he wrote this. Was he in a cave being hunted down by the man who should have been his mentor, his friend? Was he being betrayed? Who knows where he was at? But he's still saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. There's one path to renewing your youth like the eagle, and it is not Botox. Now, of course, we're talking about something way deeper than your physical appearance here, but God is the one who makes you young. I will tell you, this is just a generalization that we can all relate to. I've met old people who have chosen a way of bitterness and death, and there is nobody older than them. And I've met old people who have chosen life and life abundantly, and they're as young as you can get. There's something real that the psalmist is pulling out of us is, hey, you want to chase the eternal youth that is the center of our culture of worship, worshiping ourselves? Chase God, and your youth will be renewed like the eagles. There's a promise in this that if you bless the Lord, then you will be satisfied. I think that some of us have lost that impetus to worship. I say that because I know it's happened in my life at different times, that I've had to come back to this principle that if I just pour out my heart to God in worship, and I mean particularly in musical worship, although there is plenty of other paths to get there, that God changes something in me. My circumstances may not change, but you know what? When God's with you, who shall stand against you? And worship makes a pathway in your heart for God to be so present with you. Our repentance is about realigning our worship. Hands down. I could preach a whole other sermon on that, but I'm just going to say it. When Jesus says repent, what he's saying is worship God. Change, get rid of all those other idols that you're worshiping and worship God. If all we did was that, we focused on laying out our lives in worship to God, it would result in loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And here I'm using the broader definition of worship, not just in musical worship, but in the way you open the door for the person who is struggling because they're handicapped to get in the restaurant. That's such an easy example, but it's like, yeah, that's actually worshiping God. Every act of kindness, every act of service, every act of submitting your will to what God wants you to do, that is the worship we are called to. That's what Lent's all about. I know we don't say Hallelujah. But we worship God with our Lenten devotion. I love that song. Our attention, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. What are you giving your attention to? What are you giving your devotion to? Let's pour it on the feet of Jesus. So why was Jesus criticizing these religious leaders? 
for missing the season. Because the proper response happens throughout the gospel. Jesus will heal someone. Jesus will speak a word. And the person will fall on their knees and say, my Lord. And the religious leaders never saw it. What a tragedy if you never recognize your God and your Lord as he shows up in your life. And we'll end with this poem prayer at the end of Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord because he will have mercy on him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts, God's thoughts, are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen? Good word. Please stand. This is the reason we uh, continue to recite the Nicene Creed, that we might continually uh, fill ourselves up with an understanding. His ways are not our ways, and it's so easy to see those uh slip away, but the church remains steadfast by continually reminding ourselves the good news. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. Begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom shall have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. The Lord desires that we call upon him. Therefore, let us bring our needs and those of the whole world before him with confidence. For the church, that she will be an icon of love and forgiveness of God. Lord, in your mercy. For the persecuted church that they will be sustained by God's grace and that their witness will lead to the conversion of their oppressors. Lord, in your mercy, for all those in lawful authority, that they will be men and women of integrity and lead their people in the ways of justice and peace. Lord, in your mercy, for those who are preparing for baptism and confirmation, that they will be blessed with a deep appreciation of God's word and the Holy Spirit's gifts. Lord, in your mercy, 
for all God's people that they will bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Lord, in your mercy, for all doctors, nurses, and all healthcare professionals, that they will use their skills to foster life and never to destroy it. Lord, in your mercy, for us, that we will be a thankful people in whatever our circumstances. Lord, in your mercy, us according to our sins. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to walk in holiness of life. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Peace the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace. Well, peace. Okay. Well, thank you, men, for coming yesterday, and uh, we were mending fences yesterday. So we mended the fence here along the the back of our property and along the far side of our property on the uh, basketball court. And so I'm just I'm just grateful to all you men who have come and showed up for these different men's meetings. I know not everybody can make every one, but every I've seen almost everybody at one of these, and I appreciate all the work that you guys do and just helping us keep this place up and keeping it nice. So thank you for that. And imagine how many fences we mend that we don't even know about. <laughs> Our neighbors are probably really happy with us. Most of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> yep, Lewis was in charge of that. So, Okay, um, those who are there will know that. That's an inside joke. But anyway, uh, we have Easter coming up. Easter egg hunt. Um, I think that the Sunday school will swell on Easter Sunday because people want to search for these eggs. So uh, help Marie and the other uh, Sunday school teachers by donating what you can to that, either eggs or stuff to go inside the eggs or eggs already stuffed with things, which I know they would love those. Um, We've got the ladies retreat coming up. Ladies, please sign up for that. It's going to be a great time. And then... uh, Very soon we're going to have our Holy Week, which is just there's a lot of wonderful services coming up here at the end of Lent leading up to Easter. Uh, We'll have that. uh, We'll have our banner outside and we'll just have a schedule for those. Uh, There it is. And so uh, please, please make time to come to those as well. Amen. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. Let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. (laughs) 
Council meet on a, a regular basis to seek the Lord on behalf of the business of the church, but every once in a while we go away to really seek a vision for our future and to get uh, a little better direction from the Lord. This week we're uh, going to be going out into the desert and uh, seeking God's favor for the church and direction for the future. So if you just hold us up in your prayers, it'll be on Thursday evening, and we usually break up around noon on Saturday. So not a lot of time, but there's plenty of time when we come together and lay our agendas down and seek his. Amen. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this, uh, where am I? <laughs> I already did these. So. See, I normally do these before we start the formal prayer because it's so rote. Okay. We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him even more. Come if you have much faith. Come if you have little Come if you've been here often, and come if you've not been here long. You who've tried to follow and you who failed, you come. This is the Lord who invites you. It's his table. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here. You come today to the table. The Lord be with you. 
with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, our powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. For you've given us given your children a, a sacred time for the renewing and the purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. So with all the angels and the saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ is died. Christ Christ is is risen. risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of the clergy. Remember those who are sick or infirm in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up this day. Connie and Susan, Serena, Naomi, and Sonia and Sandra. Tammy, Denisha, Giovanni, Daniel, Jonathan, and Nancy, and Katie. Patrick, 
our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all those in the armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Father, Father, who art in heaven, (coughs) hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom kingdom come, come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. Feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the Supper of the Lamb.
Thank you for the dance, Lord. I'd love to see more of it. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. Anybody else want to try? <laughs> St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, a prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world himself. He's not counting men's sins against them. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. Very best of all, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain the always. Amen.